A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Have you ever heard a really juicy rumour about a pub? In Ireland, the rumours usually involve Michael Collins planning some element of a rebellion in a snug, or Bono drinking there after playing the Dandelion Market in the 80s. The rumour we'd like to talk about today is equal parts elusive, potentially totally fanciful, and maybe just downright wrong. But where's the fun in that? Join us as we explore Tom White's potential connection to McDade's pub, Harry Street. Welcome to Publin, a podcast about the culture, history and heritage of pubs at home and abroad. Usually on this podcast we try to present a story that we know for definite is based in fact. We hear a story, verify it and expand upon it using several reliable sources. It's just good practice. This time around, however, With the topic we have in mind, we can't definitively say that the story we're presenting is true. We're investigating a rumour. An interesting rumour, at that. The myth at hand is that Tom Waits, one of the most recognisable voices in music, once wrote a song in McDade's on Harry Street. Is it true? Is it possible? Now, I don't want to lead you down the garden path on this one, but why let a good story go to waste? First, a note about Tom Waits, if you're not familiar with his music. He was born and raised into a middle-class family in California in 1949. He's best known as a musician with a gravelly voice, an elusive demeanour, and a mysterious on-stage persona. He comes across as the type of man who made his living in dive bars and never left them. But he did leave, and went on to become a world-famous musician, starting off in folk, then moving on to jazz, and since the 80s has taken more influence from blues rock and some more experimental genres. Waits has also composed music for films, including his debut, One from the Heart, by Francis Ford Coppola, the movie set on which he met his wife, Kathleen Brennan. Waits also turned his hand to acting, starring and featuring in Coppola's Dracula, Martin McDonough's Seven Psychopaths, and the Coen brothers' Ballad of Buster Scruggs, amongst others. 
He's somewhat of a cult figure in music and film, especially since his music is ever-evolving. It's mysterious, and it's not at all times accessible, and sometimes you'd need to tune your ear to his particular frequency. He's everything you could want in a cult musician. In terms of his casting in film, he has a great look, a characterful face, and an instantly eccentric demeanour that shows you that he and the character he plays have lived a life. Waits is also somewhat mysterious when it comes to details of his personal life. He's not a recluse, but he's also not massively open in his dealings with the press and biographers. It'd be fair to say that not every detail of his life is known, although there's plenty of attempts to pour over his career and personal life. I think that's what makes the basis of the rumour so possible, and yet so elusive to fully track down. There's been a great deal of mythologising around his life, and it seems we're either going to clarify one detail, or just add further to the mythos. Now, on to the song in question. The song is called I Hope That I Don't Fall In Love With You, from Waits' debut album, Closing Time. The timing of the song's release is of crucial importance in terms of finding out whether the rumour is true or not. But before we get down to the nitty-gritty of the details, maybe we should actually hear a bit of the song, just to give you a flavour of the tone. So since myself and Mr. Waits are not acquainted, and for copyright reasons I can't play the song, then I guess we'll have to find a workaround. Maybe a karaoke version? <clears throat> well, I hope that I don't fall in love with you. Oh, yeah. Cause falling in love just makes me blue. This is not working. This is not working. Hello, Adam. Yeah, listen, need a favour. Could you learn and record the song I Hope That I Don't Fall In Love With You by Tom Waits and get it back over to me in 15 minutes, Grand. Cheers, thanks, bye. Yep, cheers, thanks, bye-bye. See you now, bye, bye. I hope that I don't fall in love with you Cause falling in love just makes me blue Music plays and you display your heart for me to see. I had a beer and now I hear you calling out for me. I hope that I don't fall in love with you. That's better. My friend Adam Fleming is a superb musician and he's very kindly put together his own version of the song that is so spot on that it completely gets across the emotion of the song. Don't worry, we'll play it for you in its totality at the end of the episode. Now, back to the rumour. So we first heard this rumour in 2020 when in response to a series we were doing on connections between famous albums and Dublin pubs, a friend of ours who runs the Dublin by Pub social media pages, an excellent resource by the way, mentioned that he had heard the rumour but couldn't recall when and where. It of course seemed fairly plausible but I was coming to this rumour from a position of total ignorance. Ignorance of Tom Waits' career, the timeline involved, and even what the song was about. So I set about trying to do a bit of research on the rumour, yet, try as I might, I couldn't find any reference to Tom Waits having been in McDade's, let alone having written a song there. This extensive research amounted to a few minutes on Google, and once I was satisfied there was nothing to it, I carried on with my life for another few years. Flash forward to this year, 2022, and by chance on a Googling session, 
question, I came across an article on the now-defunct Daily Edge website, a sister site to the journal.ie, about a Philadelphia-based Galway musician who has accompanied Waits musically at least twice, first at a funeral, and the second on the final performance of The Tonight Show with David Letterman, a star-studded affair. In the interview with the musician, Gabriel Donoghue, it was noted that he and Waits discussed Ireland. The paragraph reads as follows. Waits and Donoghue talked Ireland together. How the former had spent a month in Tralee when he first met his wife. How he has spent many months here since. He also heard that Waits wrote his classic 1973 song, Hope That I Don't Fall In Love With You, in McDade's pub in Dublin. And that's it. That's the origin of the rumour. In print, at least. We should say that we're going by what's written here, and that Mr. Donoghue was merely relaying what he had heard and was clearly not the originator of the rumour. Further into the article, the editors made a note that the owners of McDade's pub were not aware of the rumour, and that the publication had tried to contact Tom Waits' representatives to confirm the story, but no further update was forthcoming. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get in contact with Gabriel Donoghue to confirm what he apparently told the Daily Edge. Room is crowded, people everywhere. I wonder, should I offer you a chair? If you sit down with this old clown, I'll take that frown and break it. Before the evening's gone away, I think that we can make it. That I don't fall in love with you I can see you're lonesome just like me stage set for the rumour, explaining where it came from. Now we have to ask two questions. One, is it even significant that Waits may have written the song there? And two, is it possible? As to the first question, well, given that we've established that Tom Waits is an internationally recognised artist in multiple fields and a quasi-elusive cult figure, I think establishing the origin of one of his earliest works and a song that many people love is a story worth mining. The second question requires... A lot of sleuthing, assumptions and deduction on the level of Sherlock Holmes. Well, given that I've already told you that the fact of the matter remains elusive, that might be hyperbole. So what kind of timeline are we talking about here? The song appeared on Waits' debut album, Closing Time, in 1973, meaning in all likelihood that he must have visited McDade's, if at all, between 1970 and 1973. Waits would have been 21 to 23 at the time. The problem being for this story was that he wasn't really on an organised tour between those years and his career was very much in its infancy. In late 1971, Waits was signed to a publishing and recording deal, meaning that he was at least on the radar in the singer-songwriter scene of the time in Los Angeles, and meaning that there might have been a few quid to travel with. But to travel internationally? Not every occasion for travel is work-related, and it's the nature of folk musicians to travel, have experiences and write and share music. It was very common at this time and afterwards for Irish musicians to travel in the opposite direction and to pick up songs along the way, expanding their repertoire. In 1972, he met music executive David Geffen, where he was then signed to Asylum Records, which was a step up from his original contract. 
this might have been a time when opportunities to travel may have become more available to him. The rumour about penning a song in McDade's isn't very general. It doesn't suggest that he just wrote the song in Dublin or in a Dublin pub. The rumour specifically says McDade's. Why McDade's? If you were to walk into McDade's today, you'd enjoy your pint, the traditional setting, but you'd be more likely to see someone who works in financial services or the civil service than you are a troubadour musical type or one of the literary or art set. However, in the late 60s and early 70s, the inverse would have been true of the pub. From the 1950s to the 1970s or thereabouts, McDade's would have been the pub of choice for eminent figures in the bohemian literary world. It could be said that the palace on Fleet Street was where you went if you were an eminent literary figure and had an air of respectability, whereas McDade's was where you went to do the serious drinking in a sawdust on the floor kind of way. McDade's became known in the 40s and 50s as one of the chief literary pubs of Dublin, eventually having fame heaped upon it through the exploits of Brendan Behan, J.P. Dunleavy, Patrick Kavanagh and Flan O'Brien. The pub became first known around town and then internationally as the place to go for a potentially raucous pint, eventually becoming frequented by visiting American literary fans hoping to get a glimpse of a Brendan Behan escapade. The pub was referred to as a poetic glue pot by publican poet John Ryan, who recounted some memories of the personalities of Dublin from the time in his book Remembering How We Stood. The book was cleverly nicknamed Forgetting How We Fell by those who noted the degree of drinking captured between its pages. One such anecdote talked about R.M. Smiley, the former editor of the Irish Times and the regular patron of the Palace Bar, making a trip up to McDade's one evening in the 1950s to establish its credentials as a pub where literary figures hung out. In Ryan's words, this is what Smiley encountered upon entering. A fight over the use of spondees was going on in one corner between two wild men in duffel coats. Brendan Behan was standing on a table bawling his rendition of Lady Chatterley's Lover, and Gaynor Christ, the ginger man, was getting sick, evidently into someone else's pint. It was too much for the great man who finished, in one vast swallow, his large Irish gave a final baleful owl-like glare at this frightening assembly and walked out into the Harry Street night and the ultimate sanctuary of the palace as fast as his trotters could take him. He was never seen in McDade's again. This should give you some indication as to what one might expect from an evening in McDade's or what type of crowd that it drew until the early 70s at least. In 1972, barman Paddy O'Brien left McDade's pub and went to Grogan's, taking much of the literary scene with him, starting a new tradition around that pub. McDade's would still have drawn a crowd and held a reputation all the way up to 1973. Would this have been the type of place that Tom Waits would seek out if he were in Dublin? We definitely think it would be top of his list. See you're lonesome just like me. It being late, you'd like some company. Well, I've had to, I'd look at you, and you'd look back at me. The guy you're with, he's up and split, the chair next to you is free. Waits in 1976 gets fed up of Los Angeles and relocates to London for a period before setting out on a European tour. In a 1981 interview with John Little in, in Dublin magazine, Waits describes how nice it is to spend some time here in Ireland, as he's never spent more than a night in any one city in Europe before. 
Is that a slight exaggeration of the touring lifestyle, given that we know that he lived in the UK for a brief period? With his London experience in mind, it's not exactly unthinkable that he may have visited this side of the world in the years previous to it. These details at least show how difficult it is to tie down Waits' movement in the early years of his career. So let's get down to the lyrics of the song to see if he has anything to say that might give a hint as to where it's set. The song is broadly about seeing a woman across from him in a pub. She's sitting there with a companion and Waits is admiring her, or a character is admiring her. It's a classic story of admiring somebody's beauty and maybe trying to pluck up the courage to strike up a conversation. It's closing time The music's fading out Call for drinks, I'll have another stout. Hold on there. What's that he mentions? As call for drinks, I'll have another stout. I need some gritty detective music for this analysis. That, that'll do. Let's have another stout. Stout of all drinks. The one non-whiskey beverage most associated with Ireland. That certainly lends a bit of credence to the theory, doesn't it? Was stout widely drunk in California? It's not really a hot climate brew, is it? Maybe I'm just reaching. But I've searched far and wide for evidence of the widespread consumption of stout in California in 1972, and I'm coming up dry. Well, rather, the information is mixed. I've asked several beer enthusiasts in the US of their impressions as to whether there was a high likelihood of stout being sold in your average Californian bar at the time, and the results are interesting. Stout did undergo a resurgence in popularity among smaller brewers, but that wasn't until the late 70s and early 80s, so that rules out the local brews to some extent. What about Guinness? Well, Guinness did at one point have a brewery in New York, but that closed in 1954, meaning any Guinness that entered the US was imported from elsewhere. We're told that if a bar in California at the time had Guinness, it would most likely have to be an Irish bar or a pub selling it by the bottle was making a statement about being of a slightly higher calibre. That narrows down the options considerably then, doesn't it? It's certainly not a smoking gun, but I feel that it does lend some credibility to the McDade's myth, or at least makes it less likely, slightly less likely, that the song was written in California, where Waits lived. In terms of verifiable Waits' connections to Ireland, 1981 is credited as the year that he first toured here. It was also in 1981 that he honeymooned in Kerry with his new wife, Kathleen Brennan. Despite her very Irish name and having been born in County Cork, Kathleen Brennan was in fact third-generation American, hailing from Illinois. In that year, Waits appeared on The Late Late Show with Gay Byrne performing On the Nickel and immediately sparked up a cigarette as soon as his fingers left the keys. Gay Byrne seemed to regard him as an interesting oddity, asking questions to which he'd receive meandering, perfunctory replies before the conversation switched to Kathleen and her impressions of Kerry. All of your songs seem to be about a seedy way of life. How come? inquired Gay Byrne, to which a mildly put-off Waits replied, I'm a very happily married man and I don't go out much at all. I used to stay out late. So then, what's the verdict? Did Tom Waits in fact write, I hope that I don't fall in love with you, in McDade's pub on Harry Street, Dublin, in or around 1972? Did he even visit the city or country 
prior to 1981. If we're being truthful and fair to facts or the lack thereof, the evidence at hand can't confirm the veracity that he did write it in that pub. In the final analysis, nobody really knows, and the only person that does know for sure is Tom Waits. That's kind of the fun of the mystery. Here's a quote from The Guardian relating to a biography of Waits. Tom Waits presents a double bind for a biographer. His life has been the subject of such mythologizing that you feel a bit of truth wouldn't go amiss. But then, the myths are so entertaining. Why would you want to spoil them? Fact or fiction, we don't know, and we can't really say, is just one more element of what makes Tom Waits so fascinating to people. The fact and the fiction blur have become equally interesting. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Publin Podcast, even if it didn't have a definitive resolution. We owe a big thanks to Adam Fleming for performing and recording his version of Tom Waits' song. You can find his original music under Adam Fleming at Bandcamp and on Spotify. You'll very much enjoy it. Thanks also to Shane O'Neill for assisting Adam in the mixing of the track. Thanks to Professional Mind 670 and Particular Cricket 93 on Reddit, as well as Lisa from the Beer Ladies Pod. If you have anything you'd like to send us, or any episode suggestions, or your favourite myths about Dublin pubs, you can message me, John, via publinie at gmail.com. And we're on Instagram as publin.ie. And now, here's Adam to play us out with the song in its entirety. Thanks again, and slaunch it. I hope that I don't fall in love with you Cause falling in love just makes me blue The music plays and you display Your heart for me to see had a beer and now I hear you calling out for me I hope that I don't fall in love with you The room is crowded, people everywhere Should I offer you a chair? If you sit down with this old clown, I'll take that frown and break it. Before the evening's gone away, I think that we can make it. I hope that I don't fall in love with you. Just like me It being late You'd like some company Well I've had to I'd look at you And you'd look back at me The guy you're with He's up and split The chair next to you is free I turn around to look at you 
light a cigarette I wish I had the guts to bum one But we've never met I hope that I don't fall in love with you It's closing time The music's fading out Call for drinks, I'll have another stout I turn around to look at you You're nowhere to be found I search the place for your lost face Guess I'll have another round I think that I just fell in love Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.